welcome to the very first episode of Married with Opinions. I'm August. I'm enjoying my quiet space right now in front of a fireplace about 30 feet high, wearing an ascot for no reason. Well, maybe just because my life partner is wearing a low-cut blouse and I wanted to counter it. Jay. Um, Kayla, I don't know why you said life partner. I think that our sexual proclivity should definitely stay out of this. Like, people don't need to know what you're into. Um, my low club blouse is because it's really hot. Uh, the fireplace isn't all that impressive. Um, my chair has a hole in it, and I'm drinking a beer. So, we, uh, we definitely come from different positions. <laughs> well, today's topic is abortion. We wanted to start light. But it's also really important (laughs) that we have a topic that there are two clearly divided stances. And with abortion, there's definitely two very divisive stances on this topic. So to make sure we're arguing about the same thing, because it's always very difficult to get one hour in and realize that you're talking about two different problems. Abortion is the artificial removal of a human fetus. Now, we're located in Canada, and the legality is that all abortions are legal at all stages of pregnancy. They do require informed consent of the mother, and I'll come back to that terminology shortly, unless aged 14 or under. Then a parent or guardian must offer consent. Costs in Canada are covered by provincial and federal grants that are provided to the provincial health care providers and are free of charge to any woman using this service. In Canada, more than 100,000 abortions are performed every year, The two sides of the abortion debate are often branded as one, pro-choice, whereby an individual advocates for the rights of any woman to choose to terminate a fetus in utero in her body. And the opposite viewpoint branded pro-life, whereby someone advocates for the rights of a fetus to gestate, to term, and be born. Now, these are obviously branded in different ways. Some people call it abortion and anti-abortion, but the pro-life and pro-choice positions are just that. So now, Jay and I will draw for which position we take. And I have drawn (laughs) pro-choice, which means you are pro-life, I am pro-life. Pro-life, I can do this. To start, tell me, why do you hate women? Oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, well, first off, I hate women because they're weak. Okay, no. Um, all right. From actually, Are we actually getting into this right now, or do you have a set of questions? You took this a lot more seriously than I did. No, start this uh, from your position. Uh, convince me to be pro-life, and I will try and convince you to be pro-choice. I feel like that's unfair, because you have a whole binder in front of you. The binder you took it a- way more serious than I did. <laughs> okay, so I think that you should start, because I feel like this is already bait. Okay, so pro-choice. I have to tell you that it can be an emotional argument. Certainly, I mean, we're talking about killing babies here right that obviously you're talking about the life rights of a person so i get why it can be emotional i just want to be able to keep it completely factual so i'm going to tell you that i agree with you science is on my side so so pro-choice 
is important in our society, not just for the maintenance of our society as a whole, but because of all of the negative downstream effects that not having abortion puts into every individual woman's life. Now, if a woman wants to get an abortion, there might be a lot of different reasons that can't be measured. It can't be measured from what's in her head. Uh, perhaps she doesn't even know. Take sexual assault, for example. If she were drugged unconscious, was subject to a sexual assault, became pregnant from that sexual assault, it is unfair to her, to the child, and our society to remove her choice of terminating that pregnancy. It's more dangerous for children overall that are, that are born unwanted. And it is more psychologically damaging to that woman who's already been victimized to have her re-victimized by being forced to keep the offender's baby. See, that is such, that's such a, a popular, that's such a popular stance. However, the amount of rape victims that result in pregnancies is very, very low. Very, very low. So you, what you are talking about is making a rule based on an exception. Okay. Now, having said that, even with the person being victimized, did you know that rape victims are more likely to keep their baby than people who otherwise had unplanned pregnancies? They actually keep their babies at, um, I believe it's 25% more likely than other, than other unplanned pregnancies. Okay. Now, part of that is that they choose to raise their baby, not a rapist baby. So putting that stigma on them to be re-victimized, I think it hurts them quite a bit more. Okay. And as far as downstream effects of that child being born, that child knows no different. That child's born and they continue on with their life. Many people are, are born and like raised with piece of shit fathers. Chances are that kid's never going to know that guy. This is a good thing, right? Nature versus nurture. Okay. <clears throat> I had something else, but I'm going to be honest. My writing is very messy because I did this with not a lot of care. <laughs> and you're drunk. So <laughs> okay. Oh, so <laughs> so if you want to talk about that as far as as far as the rape victim, and um, that's what it is. So you want to talk about re-victimizing these women? How about the fact that oxytocin? So you'd be more familiar with it as the love drug. Okay, so that that starts pumping into your body upon conception. So are we are we looking at the downstream effects of what happens to these women? So look at all of the all of the research and everything that's done into postpartum. Okay, the reason why postpartum depression is so terrible for women is that throughout the entire pregnancy, that oxytocin is pumping through their body. It really gives them a big hit at the time of birth, because when they're going into labor, that's the that is the drug that is required to you know opens everything up, makes it easier, you know, shuffle on out and such, and <laughs> that when that leaves the body. That huge loss puts them into depression. So you have to think about someone who just went through something that is very, very awful. Now, not only are they going through that, but they've been given a bit of a high and that is going to be taken away too. You're actually plummeting these women by taking that away from them. Honestly, as much as... Uh, we, we live in a society where things are good or bad or otherwise, there's, there's silver linings and everything. Yeah, you did 
you did get rid. We're gonna fucking cut that part out. <laughs> no, I think you're committed to it. No. Here's, what, here's what I'm understanding. I don't know. I started going down that path. I was like, nope, 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 nope. Turn back. Turn back. <laughs> no, I think I see where you're coming from. You you have a concern with making legislation and rules about the exception, but it is the exception we're talking about. A hundred thousand abortions in Canada per year when there's 1.6 million births. Um, so it is the exception. It's when things are either going wrong or there's a societal need for it or an individual need for it. So certainly there needs to be individual rights cared for. And we're talking about which individual rights? Like, where's the line? For, for these women that are subject to sex assault, as just one example, um, medical dangers those that have a congenital defect, for example, that would end their life should they go through with the pregnancy, that put other children's lives at risk given uh, genetic issues that get carried on. And even just the societal effect, the amount of hunger there is in Canada. Hold on, hold on. You're lumping those all in together. Let's take them one at a time here. Those are okay. the exceptions. I'm Th- just those are the exceptions. exceptions. So you're talking about how many pregnancies in... 1.6 get brought to term. 1.6 get brought to term and 100,000 abortions Yeah, is what we're talking about. So of those 100,000 abortions, how many of those would be from rape victims or from people with congenital issues? So you're not just talking about, you know, uh, well, uh, 100,000 out of 1.6 million. You're talking about, what, 10, 20, 100, 200? You're talking about something that isn't even... It isn't even of importance in this conversation because we're talking about the mass of people who get pregnant and then have an abortion. Not because it'll kill them, not because they've been raped, but because of people who, and I don't mean to use this in a derogatory term because there are some that it happens and it's an unfortunate thing, but abortion is also used as a form of birth control. And are you saying that that isn't necessary in a society like ours? Absolutely, it's not necessary. Oh, tell me why. It is not necessary. We have so many other things available to us. So there is, you have the morning after pill, which sucks to take, but it's still there if an accident happens. Prior to that, you have a condom, okay? So you choose not to use that at that time, right? There's an issue. Prior to that, you have birth control. You have all of these other things. You've got, um, what's the, the device? IUDs. IUDs, thank you. Yeah. I'll probably prepare more. I said that. I'm not going to prepare more next time. This is just kind of who I am. Um, but you have IUDs. You have all of, these, all of these steps before an abortion that a person could take that make it unreasonable to kill a human being. I think it's inevitable, and this is getting a little existential, of course, but it's inevitable that we are all going to die, okay? Looking at the suffering that's caused along the way, there's a lot of different arguments for um, it is it has to be considered that if someone has a do not resuscitate order, that it is a choice that they're making for their body. It only concerns their body, though. It only concerns their body. When you're talking about a woman with a child inside her, that is two bodies. That is two bodies. And that woman had a whole bunch of choices prior to that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So people aren't allowed to make mistakes in your worldview? 100% people are allowed to make mistakes. But there are other options. 
what other options would you rectify with? There's adoption. And you can talk about you can talk about the adoption system and how awful it is and everything, but to be 100% honest, a baby with no defects, okay? And I mean that I'm going to get lit up for that one. A baby with no health issues, okay? Going into the system has no issues. They're not left in the system. That does not happen. Mm-hmm. The children who are left in the in the system, the children who end up aging out are people with parents who didn't care about them, are kids that have, you know, severe health issues um that the average person is not capable of dealing with. They don't have the capabilities to do it. Those are the kids. So when you, sorry, I got in front of you on your argument with the, how awful the... No, it makes sense. I, I guess what I'm saying is you're talking about making broad policy changes based on a system where, in fact, it would capture most people. Very few would slip through the, through the cracks on the arguments you're making. But a 15-year-old who was raped by her uncle and is now homeless because she can't go back home and isn't capable of doing the paperwork herself does slip through the cracks and you're saying it's the exception not the rule but the visceral component of that is a 15 year old with a baby she can't care for on the streets because an abortion wasn't available to her so I look at this as someone who absolutely needs an option and you're gonna, saying are we going to have a real conversation or are you just going to make up a bunch of fictional characters as an appeal to pity? Because that's what's happening. You can 100% argue anything you want based off of the hard luck stories. That's not how you govern and that, that's, that's not how you should govern a peaceful society. You have to do what's best for the greater good. Now I have to tell you, I would say that the biggest problem that we have now with abortions and the pro-life and pro-choice argument is the fact that we have a society that is okay with the eugenics program. They are okay with it because that's what this is. Who are the people that are getting these abortions? What, what, what portions of society are getting them? I think statistically it is shown that it is the lower income segments of society that get more abortions pretty close to 75%. See, so yeah. so now let's look at that. You want to do a eugenics program. Why don't we do one that doesn't kill children? How about that? Hey, no, no, to be perfectly honest, look at look at the look at the amount of technology that we have nowadays. Okay? What would stop what would stop as a society taking all all men, right? Doing sperm bank and then sperm bank and then everybody gets snipped. When you want to have a child, you go get your sperm and you come to do it this way. It would 100% eliminate, 100% eliminate unwanted pregnancies. But is that something that you would make voluntary? See, here's the thing. No matter which way you slice this eugenics program, because let's just call it what it is, okay? Because killing unborn babies in lower classes, that is a eugenics program, all right? So no matter which way you put it, no, there's not going to be consent. That baby doesn't get to consent. This is a way to do it that doesn't take anything away. Like, feel free. Go have sex. Everything still works the way that it should. Go forth and have fun. When you wish to have a baby, 
you feel like you're you're in the good in a good position to do so let's fund that so no more having to pay for IVF or things like that how have, have the government fund that instead of abortion I like how you proposing another solution I don't often hear that but I I'm interested but for this solution because we are arguing the two sides of this debate look I was planning on being down to forced marriages by the end of this okay don't keep me on track <laughs> I think no, it's, I think it's important to look at individual rights as opposed to the greater good because you are you're ta- you're making a greater good uh, option you're talking about society as a whole having a solution in place that works for the problems that we have today but you're negating the individual rights to be clear a fetus can't choose. I think it's fair. I can accept that. What I'm confused by is that we don't know what that fetus would choose, knowing the difficulties in economics, in health, in gender, in simply familial supports, in drug abuse, in mental health, that the mother does know. The mother, as defined in the legislation, knows that there's an important component to life quality of life not just quantity of it so that's why the choice for the individual if they have to choose between the baby a fetus and the mother as defined in legislation the mother chooses the mother has the right to choose and i find it interesting that the mother is what's defined in this legislation because it does recognize the fact that an individual who biologically is female, who has a fetus in utero, is already a mother. So it's not discounting your argument. I think it's a tragic reality that life, although it has begun, is still individually the responsibility of that mother. So just to get this straight, so what you're saying is that as a mother, if you feel that things are getting, if things are not going to be ideal for your child, okay, so that baby's inside you. You're like, you know what? I have an abusive husband. Um, life just isn't good. There's, there's um, mental illness in my family. You know, we're barely making ends meet. Based on that, the mother knows best and should be able to end that pregnancy. Well, yes, and I think that's the pro-choice position. Okay, so it, no, is, no, it, it, is, it is her choice. It is her choice. Okay, so what what happens if all of those things are the case and the baby's six months old? Why can't I drown my baby in a tub? Because realistically, we need a line. Because that's what we're talking about. I think Louis C.K. did a really good bit on it, right? Where it's it's either murdering a baby or it's taking a shit. It can't be somewhere in between. <laughs> and I think it's exceptionally understandable. Okay, but, so hold on. But, but where's the line? Because it's still a baby inside you at... Uh, what do my scribbled notes here say? At 12 weeks, nerves and muscles are completely... Are completely... Are, have already started. The baby can make a fist. At 8 weeks, you have a heartbeat. So what defines a baby? Because at the end of 12 weeks, that baby looks like a baby. It's a, you know, even your, your head, everything. So, so who defines 
what it's, it is. It's interesting because there's several legal medical presumptions that our society has developed. One that I don't think anyone would disagree with is impaired driving. Okay, so someone gives a roadside sample of their breath, which measures the amount of alcohol present in their blood, and there's a legal presumption that that test, if given within two hours of driving, was the same as it was when they were driving. Now, scientifically, that's not true. Scientifically, it is either going up by new absorption or down by metabolizing. Either way, it is not the same as it was within two hours of driving, but legally we accept it. Why? Because there's no alternative. We have to accept something. There has to be a line. And legally, our line, whether it's 12 weeks or right up to birth, there has to be a line. And without a line, we're leaving 15-year-old mothers who were raped by their uncle to fall through the cracks. Again, you keep using the appeal to pity. But it's an example. Okay. I'm sorry. I th- oh, you said 15. I don't know. I had the word. I had 12 and I was like, oh, now she's 12? I don't know why I heard 12. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps getting, she'll be eight by the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, she should have been an abortion because then like, why is she in puberty that young? That's not right. As long as you're agreeing with me. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, like, oh, I no, see. right? There's something wrong with that kid. Maybe we should just... Her life's not going to be all that good. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm actually surprised at the stance that you're taking on this, considering the fact that you saved our son's life, like last week. <laughs> I, I can tell you that I could see his future was not good. <laughs> and yet he's still with us. Right? Okay, look, I guess what I'm saying is, is that your broad sweeping argument is concerning because it doesn't account for the exceptions. And that means... That's what that we have a legal you're... system for, though. Right. So... That is what we have a legal system for. So, let's just hypothetically... I'll wait until you're done and then I'll speak. Because I don't like getting interrupted, so... Okay, well then, you know what? This is going to suck because you're not going to get to talk. Okay, don't use that stuff on me. Okay. So just uh, hypothetically speaking, in these hospitals, okay... So if you have your primary care physician, right? You have your primary care physician and you go, everything's done through there. Abortions are no longer allowed. Through the primary care physician's office, there should be applications that can be made by the physician for situations such as this. They go in as an emergency, just like an emergency protection order would go through in the courts, okay? So they go in, and then there is your exceptions. So you're offering, is... a solu- you're offering a solution that isn't pro-life. i got to be clear. You're just saying where the line is. So we agree that it can happen, but your line is under more stringent rules, as opposed to it not happening at all. Either it's the fetus's rights, or it's the mother's rights. You can't go black. You put everything in black and white. There's no solutions anywhere. No, it's a choice of whose rights trump those. Is the fetus's rights more important than the mother's rights, which is the argument. Okay, so can you just walk out on the, can you just walk on the street and shoot someone? Of course not. No, but if they come into your house and they start, if they come into your house and they're trying to rob you or they're running towards you in Canada, can you legally shoot that person? You can use as much force as is necessary to prevent to prevent grievous bodily harm or death. Okay, so a six foot five intruder comes in and then there's me standing there. Like, he's getting a slug through the chest. That is what is happening. 
Well, but, you're going to get raped, and then you're going to need an abortion, but continue. <sighs> That's not true. My insides are garbage. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, no, but, like, okay, so this giant guy comes in, and I shoot him, okay? At that point, murder is still wrong. The death is still wrong. But there are exceptions. There are exceptions to, where, to, to what is happening. So, as an example... I think it's a false dichotomy. No, it's not because when you talk you're, about because you're saying a six foot five intruder, a baby isn't that. Okay, a you're fetus looking. Isn't you're that. looking at completely the wrong side of it. You're just picking apart the the point in my argument that you feel you have a ground to stand on. Okay, so what I'm saying is that when you look at that in that situation, that guy coming in, it is me or him. That is the position that I'm in. So of course I'm going to choose me, and that's completely reasonable. Okay, the same thing with a, a woman who taking a baby to term is going to risk her life. Okay, it's her or the baby. I get that decision. That is to me the exact same as the intruder in the house. Obviously not the exact same, I'll, still, I'll get ahead of you on that. But it's, it's me or this other person. Mm-hmm. Okay, however, you can't just go, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, but I can't invite a bunch of people into the house and then all of a sudden be like, oh, geez, I didn't want this party. I'm just going to shoot someone. That is the absolute worst that I could have done with that analogy. However, <laughs> like you, you get, you get my train of thought on it. I, I, I hope you do. Right. Like, like, so, you know, I didn't have to send out the invitations, right? There's your IUD. Okay. Didn't have to, you know, open the door to everybody. There's your birth control. <laughs> right? But I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the whole thing. You have all of these options beforehand. And again, it doesn't address, for example, sexual assault or economic reasons. I mean, we talk quite a bit recently about different divides in socioeconomic presentation based on race let's say now you brought up the eugenics component and i see where you're coming with that i do but i also look at it where if individuals that are impoverished generationally regardless of skin color but in impoverished individuals and one of the greatest factors to that impoverished classification is having children early and sometimes that's levels of ed- education, family support, lots of other complicating factors. Mm-hmm. Not having it available to them as a, as a choice ensures that they're stuck in that socioeconomic grouping. That they have less advantages than those who can go to a doctor and make the argument wink. That's completely negating what I actually said. No, you're, you're talking about solutions that are medical. Okay, if you think there is a solution that's medical and you agree that a fetus can be terminated under medical conditions where the mother's life is in danger, then now we're just talking about where the line is. Now I'm saying that that doesn't address problems like socioeconomic gap. See, again, so had had we have not... Oh, Jesus, how do I say this without just getting roasted? Where is the personal responsibility in it? Where is the personal responsibility? Where is the choice? I get it. I get everything. Yeah, you're laughing. You're like, I win. 
win. I win. <laughs> you win nothing. Okay. Where, where, is the, where is the personal responsibility? Why is it that we're at this point? Okay. Why, why is it that we're there? And the, the point that you bring up, you are correct in the fact that having children too young, right? Um, and when you're on your own is a very large indicator of poverty okay, within North America. Absolutely. What could we do to prevent that? So that doesn't, and hold on, <laughs> that doesn't victimize these women more. Because again, when we talk about the oxytocin, we talk about everything else, you think about it. So these women, regardless of what stage you're at, that's still a loss. And you can say, you can say whatever it is that you want, even as women, to make yourself feel better. You feel that loss. I am cold as fuck. And I would feel that loss. Okay? It's... So you're taking these women and you're putting them in an impossible situation. And yet, as a society, we have basically made it the same as taking a shit. Okay? Like Louis C.K. says. So we've made it the same as that. And so these women go in there and having been told by society that it doesn't matter, that it's nothing, go get it done, get your life back on track, right? That's not what it feels like in the chair. That's not what it feels like when you're sitting there and you have them inside you and you know what's happening. Psychologically, you're victimizing those women more than I... I can't even equate it. I can't even equate it. I think I hear what you're saying, but this is a choice for an individual. So if you think that it's victimizing them and they're making a, an informed decision, because that's the way the law is in Canada, is they need to have informed consent, meaning they know the risks and they know their lifestyle situations, they know other options available to them. Without that informed consent, a procedure cannot take place. So within the framework of Canada's laws, these women are not being forced into it. These women are not... I never said forced into it. Well, no, but you're, as a matter of victimization, it is a choice of two negative options in their life, and they're choosing to take on the weight of it themselves instead of push that weight onto their unborn child. Whereas without this option available to them, they would be forced to drag a child into their socioeconomic medical issues perhaps again abusive relationships things like that whereas this is what we're talking about the choice and the rights of the mother and the choice and the rights of the mother without this available to them ensures that more children are victimized so i think you see it that way it's just a matter of where's the line so you're saying the line's okay if it's medical what about these other victimizations issues? If they're with a partner who sexually and physically abuses them and they're afraid for their children to be sexually and physically abused. Well, that falls down to our, our healthcare system. No, honestly, like if we, if we want to get into the issues within the healthcare system and mental health and available resources for women and victims of abuse and men who are victims of abuse you know, all of that, we, we can talk about that, but I don't think that's what we're talking about. You keep getting into the exceptions and not the rules of those 100,000 abortions, right? How many of those are 
just whoops whoops didn't want it i'm not ready i'm not ready i think it's really diminishing the respect that we have for women if we think that that's the majority i think you did all the research what are the stats I don't have the stats from that, sadly, because they're not reliable. So Stats Canada collects quite a bit of information. Oh, I'm already sorry I asked. <laughs> stats, for, for our listeners that might care, right. uh, Stats Canada collects a lot of information about where and what demographics have abortions, but very few uh, take purpose or perceived purpose and publish that data. There's very little information available to that, at least to me. There might be some academics that would have access. Hmm. Okay. Where were we at? I went to go get water. I think you gave up because I was right and you were wrong. Nope, doesn't sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got notes here. Okay. You are talking about, and you keep coming back to the exception. Okay, so let's, let, how about this? For the sake of argument, because I wish to dismantle you, for the sake of argument, let's say that if you are a child, abortion is legal for you. If you have been raped, abortion is legal for you. If the fetus is going to kill you, abortion is legal for you. For everyone else, no. Hit me. So if, 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 um, I'd like to thank you for conceding the point. Because again, now we're just talking about lines. No, no, no. I think that's a Winston Churchill quote, right? (laughs) God, you're pretentious. I know. An ass wearing an ascot. That's true. No. You, you, You fault me for going to exceptions. But this is what we are talking about. It is the exception that abortions occur. Less than ten percent. But we're not talking. It is the exception we're not that talking. women choose to have an abortion in the first place, and that that choice, although freely available in Canada, with with the fewest limitations of any of our G eight countries, we choose to leave no woman behind. That the exceptions are the ones we want to protect, those that are in fact falling through the cracks elsewhere. So. I do keep coming back to them because that's who we're talking about. Okay, so, all right, so we want to go down that. Fine. You won't bite because you know you're going to lose. Okay. What about the father's rights? Tell what me. About, what about the father's rights? Tell me about that. So, you get pregnant. Okay, let's just... I rarely hype. get pregnant, but I see what you're talking about. Well, you, well, you try. You, you <laughs> aggressively try. Okay, so your father's rights. So, the woman gets pregnant. 50% his. Yeah, I get it. It's her body, right? But that child, 50-50, his DNA. So where is his right to advocate for the life of that child? The mother just gets to say, I don't believe that the child will have a good enough life. I'm not ready. What if the father's ready? What if the father's willing to take that child? How does he get no say? If you're seriously making the argument that father's rights are what falls through the cracks if we permit abortions to the level that they are in Canada, I don't have much of a counter-argument to that. 
I don't think it's been tested in court as it happens. And I don't believe that any father has brought forward an argument where in a um, civil uh, proceeding to sue a woman to not have an abortion. Oh, it's happened many of times. Oh, it has? Yes. Tell me about it. Well, we both know I didn't do my research, but I know that it has happened. Um, I have read about it. This is something that I would have to look into more, but it has happened. Okay, so not knowing the specific example, do you recall the outcome? I do not. Okay, so I, I think it's important to understand in... I can Google it real quick. Yeah, do that. In, Keep talking, in, I won't listen. I understand. Uh, in legal precedent, there's something called field of play. And I know a lawyer will come on and give us shit for using the wrong term, but especially as offensive as that is when the field of play is a uterus. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Right? <laughs> okay, just because it turns into something beautiful doesn't mean it wasn't something like that everyone was having fun with earlier. Let's call a spade a spade. Damn it. Indeed. So I think that when we're looking at the actual presentation of who has more color of right, I don't see any argument made against, even with a male judge, the uterus being more of a right of the woman who actually contains it, as well as the fetus or any product therein. And I don't think that's really hard to see. I mean, a man contributes genetic material and really not much else. You know, it's like a Jeep, a utility vehicle. <laughs> God love him. <laughs> a man's right to what's in the uterus would be greatly diminished even on a balance of probabilities. So I find that hard to believe. I accept the fact that you can make the argument. I see that men may have some expectation of property rights. But again, we're talking about individual rights. Either it is property and she can dispose of it at her, at her will, or it's not. It's a life. Now, I accept the fact that it is a life, but it's a choice. Because at some point in time, like any any biological being in a society like ours, we have to know where the line is. Even if it's a life, that line is birth. Because not having it that way removes a lot of rights from individual women and creates more dangers in our society because of it. What dangers does it create? Again, for a forced gestation of uh, individual children. I'm not... Many psychopaths, as it happens, tend to have unprotected sex as often as possible. Those psychopaths then view their offspring as victories and use it to control women in their lives. It's awful. It really is. It's a form of abuse. It's well documented in uh, psychological literature. I don't think it's important to, enough to remove women's rights when faced with victimization like that. Again, just another exception, not the rule, but it's the exceptions we're talking about. No, I have repeatedly said it is not the exceptions we're talking about. The exceptions, there can be, there can be avenues set up for the exceptions to be able to help women not fall through the cracks. What I would like to discuss are the people who choose it as a form of birth control. 
That's what I would like to discuss. Because when you say we're talking about only 10%, well, no, because we're not talking about all pregnancies. We're talking about the 100,000 abortions. So what I would like to talk with you about is the 95% of those. That 95% of those that... <laughs> you know for a fact I didn't, I was not prepared to finish that sentence. The 95% of those that are not exceptions. They're not the girl, uh, a 15-year-old girl who got raped and her parents have thrown her out. Okay? They are not, they are not a woman in an abusive relationship. Okay? But they are statistically by demographics collected by Stats Canada more often than not below the poverty line. Okay, so but what are we going to do? Oh, here, here are abortions. Let's solve all the problems. No, really, you're you're completely negating. You're completely negating the psychological effect that abortions have on those women. So you're actually just compounding the issues, is what you're doing. <laughs> I accept the fact that you have gone back to that trough several times. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you wrap up first or last what is your choice i'm going to go last because i feel like you have something the way that you're smiling that's going to piss me off and i would like to be able to <laughs> to speak to it all right so going back to the beginning abortion as the artificial removal of a human fetus is legal in canada right up to birth any stage of pregnancy is legal now and is there for society and individual benefit of mothers. Now, I've argued this time for pro-choice. You know what? I'm not even sure where I really stand anymore now that we've had this discussion. But I have to say I've never really considered it from a purely pro-choice perspective. I think that if the law itself recognizes that the person making that choice is a mother, they're also accepting that the fetus is a child and is a life. So what the law accepts is that that fetus, that child, that life can be terminated at all stages of pregnancy purely on the choice of the mother under informed consent. That's the way we have it today. I think the benefits outweigh the negatives. That if we're looking at 100,000 deaths every year, if that's what it was, if this was children, post-birth rounded up and murdered, it might be a lot less palatable. But it is still beneficial to society when we are weighing it against the rights of individual women. Those women deserve those rights. Those women understanding what options are available to them, being given education, being given all medical options available, and the support of their families, friends, and medical professionals is a better outcome than 100,000 unwanted babies being born. You're, you're done? That is it. I have to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and just take my victory since you equated what um, abortion is to rounding up and murdering 100,000 children a year. So I'm just going to go ahead. Thank you for that. I'm going to take that point. Um, 
But, okay. So as far as mine, as a society, we owe it to all of our members to do the best that we can. Those members, I believe, start right at conception. Okay. There are many things available beforehand, things that society should be spending more money on. So things like sexual education, things like um, IUDs, condoms, birth control, any type of contra contraceptives. Okay, there's a lot of different things that we can do. There are other options available than what we have now. Um, and I believe it's just another form of eugenics program. I'm terrible at taking notes, so don't remember half of what I said. Um, so <laughs> as far as it goes, uh, you know what, I'm actually... I'm actually pretty pro-choice, to tell you the truth, um, in my own viewpoint. I'm pretty pro-choice. Um, but it was interesting to sit and have to argue the other way. Um, I'm actually kind of a little bit considering considering a lot of the things that I said. Obviously, because it's coming from someone that I trust. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm considering a lot of that. And I'm uh, maybe I need to rethink rethink my position on it. I guess just for helping other people in the future. Obviously, I'm not in a position where I would have an abortion. My husband's been gelded, so <laughs> pretty safe that way. But which, again, great option. I think we should throw that out there. Right? <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, I, I really don't know. But I wanted to just say that this was, this was actually quite good. Um, when we decided to... When we decided to do this podcast, the idea was that we would just draw and take positions. Um, I think in the future we should draw way earlier. It would make more sense. Yeah, yeah I think that would, that would be better. One of us was ill-prepared. The other one's kind of an asshole. So <laughs> anyways, it was, it was interesting to take the other, the other point of view on it, especially different, different than how I actually feel. But also, it's... It made me really happy that we did this because it showed that you can find if you can find if you can argue the other side's point you can find empathy in how they feel and um there is no side that is right there is no side that is 100 percent right and um in general there's there's common ground and when you can argue the other side you can show empathy towards them and i think that that is something that we need and as a society but um, it was fun to do. And I think it's something that I would really enjoy doing on a regular basis just to be able to discuss issues in depth. I don't know. I'm rambling now. I'm rambling. I should have wrote this down. No, it makes sense. The, the, the options that I never considered were eugenics, I think, which is a hard way to say it. It's like, look, let's take all of our minorities and round them up into ovens and kill babies. You know, this is what we're this is what we're talking about. I'm really apparently. concerned with how much yeah. you've been talking. Like, yeah, just round them all up. Well, that's what I'm. Uh, you no, can you can see absolutes, right? But absolutely. Um, you know, if I stand for one particular um, position, it might be as a you know pro-choice at 12 weeks or something. But I don't really have a good reason for that. Maybe it's just because it's more palatable to me to see a 12-week fetus that can't survive on its own being subject to the exact same thing. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting thought experiment, mm -hmm. and I was happy to do it with my best friend Jay. So I hope everyone joins us next time 
when we will be discussing another topic that we've had more time to prepare for. Yes, and um, I will see if I could bring my best friend onto the program. I don't know who he is, but I'm sure he's just lovely. So, <laughs> married with opinions, join us next week.